I was sort of terrified in my 20s of hitting my 30s and being like, well, I guess I'll just never understand what music is again. Can my fellow 30-something Ryan Broderick and I fake our way into sounding like we understand music? The answer is coming up today on Follow Friday. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet of folks you should know. So let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, a show about the best people on the internet and why you should follow them. If you tuned into the series debut last week, then thank you for coming back. If you're new to the show, then welcome. Every week, I talk to the internet creators I admire most about who they follow online. These include podcasters, writers, comedians, musicians, and more. And they all have amazing taste and will guide us to the people they find fascinating, who we should be following too. Today on the show is Ryan Broderick, the co-host of the podcast The Content Minds and writer of Garbage Day. This is one of my favorite email newsletters. It's about the strange and fun and sometimes disturbing corners of the internet. I am recording this intro in February, but I spoke to Ryan one month ago on January 5th. And, oh, the timing! Literally one day after we taped this, the U.S. Capitol was breached by domestic terrorists who were radicalized by right-wing internet groups, and a few weeks after that, the Reddit community Wall Street Bets gave the real Wall Street a collective heart attack by pumping up GameStop's stock price, causing some hedge funds who had bet against the company to lose billions. So, Ryan has been keeping very busy explaining all of that in his newsletter and on his podcast. But on January 5th, the day I talked to him, the most important internet culture story was Bean Dad. Remember Bean Dad? Ah, simpler times. But don't worry, I was prepared for this. I had Ryan read a paragraph from his then-recent newsletter, just in case we had moved on from Bean Dad to less important things by now. Here's what he said. Over the weekend, John Roderick, a Seattle-based musician, tweeted a thread about how he forced his nine-year-old daughter to learn how to open a can of beans. Jesus Christ, this is all so stupid. In this thread, Roderick claimed his daughter spent six hours trying to figure out how to use a can opener to open a can of baked beans. In the thread, Roderick repeatedly refers to himself as Apocalypse Dad, which makes me assume he's some kind of casual doomsday prepper. I also, just in general, assume that every white man on the American West Coast who lives north of Los Angeles is some kind of doomsday prepper. I have yet to be proven wrong about this. So I live in San Francisco, and I am not a doomsday prepper yet, but the year is young. We'll see what happens. You can find Garbage Day on Substack or by going to garbageday.email. But we're not really here to discuss Ryan's work. We're here to talk about the people he follows online. So Ryan, welcome to Follow Friday. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Um, this is definitely the uh, the most sincere uh, podcasting experience I've had. So I'm, I'm excited to try this. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you. So the first time I ever saw anything you did, it was this regular feature you did with Katie Natopoulos and Kate's Holderness at BuzzFeed that you used to do called, it was like the worst things on the internet of 2015, 2016. And you were disturbingly good at finding uh, these really, really just awful things on the internet. And so I'm wondering, like, is this weird for you? Is it, is it hard to unironically recommend good stuff on the internet that people should like? 
Honestly, no. I really enjoy doing it. Um, I feel like the internet used to be a place where that was very common, where you would just like tell people about a cool thing and then they would check it out. And then that was the whole exchange. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, that has been taken over by machines and somehow it led to the destruction of democracy worldwide. So I'm excited to bring this uh, this old art form back. I think it's also very much tied to... Uh, recommending bad things, you know, recommending anything on the internet. Uh, it's a spectrum of content. So I'm excited to try the the lighter side today. Awesome. Well, let's dive right in with your first follow. It's Follow Friday. So I asked you for someone who makes you laugh, and you said podcaster and writer Hussein Kasvani. He's the co-host of two podcasts. One is called Trash Future. The other is called 10,000 Posts. And he wrote a book about the online world of British Muslims called Follow Me, Aki. Uh, so tell us about Hussein and why he makes you laugh. I worked with Hussein for many years. Uh, he's appeared on my podcast. I've worked with him in all kinds of different projects. He recently told me that his completely wild and inappropriate behavior on the internet is my fault. He says that he was a normal person before he met me. I don't think that's true. I think he was just trying to, you know, put some blame on me. For people who've never heard of Hussein, he specializes in male radicalization and his particular wheelhouse academically is Muslim radicalization. I think he's very, very sharp about like the levers and mechanisms that cause uh, particularly like Muslim men to gravitate towards religious extremism or misogyny or or, or or radical violence. But he also understands sort of like that character to a level where he's constantly doing it. He's gone viral several times for uh, tweeting out that he's like, uh, like discriminating against white people while working at a coffee shop. <laughs> uh, I think there was like an incident where he tweeted that he was a doctor that was like making babies Muslim at various British hospitals. And then like the hospitals like had to like email him and ask him to stop doing that. <laughs> He'll also tweet stuff like coffee is technically a soup. Uh, and he, he's just like, he's messy. He, and, and I'm really jealous of his ability to like play with the more absurd ways we communicate on the internet and get away with it. Like I can't do that character and he can do it so well that I do sometimes wonder if it's even a character. He claims that it's like, it's got he's, it's a bit and he's doing a bit, but yeah, his Twitter account is one that I'm just really jealous of and it's very funny. It always shocks me when people fall for these bits, these like novelty accounts of these characters that people do, because I feel like maybe just, this is a online poisoning. I've just been on the internet for too long and too intensely, but it feels like, this happens all the time where someone will come up with the most obvious, like modest proposal, like sub modest proposal, most obviously fake character or idea. And then some number of people will very, very earnestly like go at it and just be like, I can't believe you would say this. How could you possibly be try trying to, you know, uh, turn what was it? Coffee into soup. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, I think coffee technically would be a chili because it is bean-based. <laughs> so that's that's my rebuttal for that one. But no, I know what you mean. And, like, growing up on message boards like 4chan and something awful and sort of existing in that world as a teenager and someone in college, I always approach the internet as everyone is doing a bit and everyone's being ironic. And I've been wrong a lot because I sort of give people the benefit of the doubt where I'm like, okay... No one is going to use the internet to express a genuine feeling about something they have. And that is not 
correct anymore. <laughs> In fact, it has gone definitely the other it way. It used to be. Yeah, it definitely used to be. Yeah, because the internet wasn't real. It didn't matter. It was just a place that you like would write any random thing you wanted. And so there's just been a lot of instances where I have met someone from the internet and realized like, uh-oh, you're not doing a bit at all. Like you really <laughs> believe whatever insane thing you've talked about, um, which is interesting in a different way, I suppose. So how much of what you consume, what you read, what you listen to is is meta commentary about the internet? I feel like this is something that we've seen more and more of, more people like you writing about this internet culture and really taking it seriously. Is this like a significant portion of what you're consuming every day? Not at all. Uh, <laughs> um, the, uh, the best example I could give is how uh, the folk musician John Darnell from the band The Mountain Goats only listens to death metal. Um, <laughs> I am not consuming almost any meta commentary. And, it, and I've, I've gone through phases, of, uh, I should say. So like when I, f- when I was coming out of college and I was you know, writing at different places and, and trying to you know, figure out how things worked and what I, I cared about, I was reading a lot and I was like trying to understand like, okay, what is everyone talking about? What's the conversation? And that definitely gives you a perspective. The problem with that is that it can get very boring very fast and you miss out on a lot of stuff that I think you get naturally if you're just a person using the internet. And what I like about the internet is that it's not like an academic journal where you have to pay to access it. Like anyone can go on the internet and have an opinion about how it works. Mm -hmm. And all you really need to do is just like, think about it. And then you can be like, okay, like this could be better. This could be worse. And so I, now that I do garbage day full time, I'm, basically set up like a Reddit account that I really like and makes me feel good. And I set up a Tumblr account, which I've written about a lot that makes me feel good. And I've tried to create a Twitter experience that makes me feel as unbad as possible on Twitter, which is hard to do. And so now I just like sit and consume things that I care about. And it seems to work a little better um, than trying to like seek out. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. 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 Um, It's mentally healthier for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, as I mentioned uh, earlier, one of Hussein's podcasts is called Trash Future. I just started listening to it, but I really like it so far. It's it's him and these other co-hosts, and they're talking about tech companies and kind of what technology and what the internet is doing to us. Um, and they're really funny as they're talking about it. Um, how optimistic would you say you are about the future of the internet, future generally? Do, do you think where we have a trash future? Or do, do you think, I mean, I feel like it, it, some of this is like, you know, garbage in, garbage out, right? Where if you were only consuming garbage, if you weren't curating a positive experience, maybe you would maybe you'd feel differently about this. But what do you think? I'm pretty optimistic. Uh, I'm always pretty optimistic. And that's, I think, if when I approach things optimistically, I think it's easier to look at them critically. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think it's very easy to be like, okay, this is bad. And I don't like it. It's a lot harder to say like, this is bad and here's how we fix it. But then if you do that thought process, I think you come away with like a more interesting take. So I always try to say like, okay, the internet is inherently good and it's probably the best thing that humans have ever invented other than a spaceship. And it's super cool that we live in a moment where it exists. So when I go from that approach, it's easier to say like, okay, Twitter is bad because of X and Y and Z or Facebook is turning your brain into soup because of this reason. And so I think that technology is incredible. And I think that like what you can do with technology now versus what you could do with it when I was in college is blowing my mind. Like uh, thanks to the quarantine, I've started like making like electronic music again because I can do it in a small room uh, and not get sick. And so I used to do that on GarageBand in college and it was like, you know, pretty simplistic. Now it's like 
totally different. It's like it's a completely different world. And that just happened in the span of a decade. So I think what makes me nervous, I mean, my main fear, if we really want to get into it, is the idea that rich people would all move to space. That's like the thing that really freaks me out because um, then <laughs> we can't get them. We can't like we can't, you know, control how that goes. And I think Trash Future, the podcast and Hussein's work in particular, to bring it back to him, mm-hmm. what what is what is really sharp about it is that it's not that technology is bad. It's that it's that the stage of capitalism that we're in that drives how technology operates is bad or mm-hmm. at least perverse or uh, grotesque. And that is a much more constructive way, I think, of going about it than just saying like, what if screen, but too much, you know, instead <laughs> it's like, okay, well, I don't want to work for the Uber of my industry. And that's a much more um, useful conversation, I suppose, to, than, than, than doing the Black Mirror thing. Yeah, can point to maybe some solutions rather than just talking about the problem, yeah. Exactly. That was Hussein Kesvani from the podcast Trash Future and 10,000 Posts. He's on Twitter at hkesvani, which is spelled H-K-E-S-V-A-N-I. It's Follow Friday. Well, let's move on to your your next follow, speaking of uh, solutions. So I asked you for someone who inspires you, and you said Casey Newton from Platformer. So I, I love this pick. I know Casey. Uh, he's one of the people I follow who, like you, I think he understands and appreciates the internet and all its complexity. So, so talk about this. Like, What does he do that inspires you personally? The idea of a good tech newsletter and the idea that a tech newsletter could be exciting, which is crazy, if like you had told me in my 20s that like email could be exciting, I would tell you you're insane. Yeah. That I credit a lot to Casey. Like Casey figured out a way to make a newsletter that arrives at night, which is also very interesting. But he made it fun, he made it interesting, he made it, made it uh useful, he made it comprehensive and that is really really inspiring to me because like there are a lot of good reporters, there are a lot of good writers. I mean, probably now more than ever, uh, and it's very easy to to access them. But I'm always really inspired by people who don't like trend hop the way they publish. Like I, I really love like um, like Stratacherry, like Ben Thompson's mm-hmm. newsletter, or or Bill Bishop is another good one. Uh, Sinusism he he writes on Substack. These people who are kind of just like. I fit with this publishing model really well and I'm just going to focus on that and the internet is just going to have to like deal with that in the same way that uh, Neil Gaiman uses a Tumblr account and he still he does I didn't know this yeah Taylor the, the my favorite fact of Tumblr is the two main celebrities that use it are Taylor Swift and Neil Gaiman and both <laughs> of them are just like I have a blog this is uh, George R. R. Martin up until like I think last year or two years ago was using live journal still. Oh my gosh. Like I love that idea that like the internet doesn't have to become the new, the new thing. If you found the thing that fits you, if Mm -hmm. you, if you really like SoundCloud and you're just like, I'm going to be the SoundCloud guy and I'm going to be like the main person that makes music on SoundCloud or I'm, I'm going to be the art house Vimeo filmmaker. Like I, I find that very inspiring because it's like wrestling back the control that companies like Facebook and Twitter want you to feel like you don't have. Right. So Casey to me to write about technology on a medium that cannot be manipulated by powers like Facebook and Twitter is like, huge and so 
I sort of like chase after him. Um, I also love how much money he charges. I think that's yeah. like super wild. <laughs> uh, when I, if, if for people who don't know what I'm talking about, when he launched Platformer on Substack recently, he just made like a rich people class. You get the same newsletter. You just pay a lot more for it. <laughs> and people are doing it. And I think that's like, that's really inspiring. Um, journalists uh, get really screamish about the business aspects of journalism, but it doesn't have to be squeamish because like it's a job and like you should yeah. be able to be paid for it. Um, and so, yeah, Casey's just like all around inspiring to me. He's also just like a really nice guy yeah. um, and has been really kind to me over the years. So that, that helps. helps too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you get so platformer, Casey's newsletter is about sort of the intersection of democracy and tech platforms like Facebook and Twitter and, and so on. And uh, I was thinking about this and there, there was a time in the, in the before times, the old internet times when, you know, someone talking about net neutrality that was like the biggest story on the internet right like all of the all of the very online geeks who were online like that was guaranteed to be front page of reddit like that was the the topic of discussion and i I don't know if you agree with this or not it feels like generally speaking casey being the exception most people are not paying very much attention to how the internet is regulated or not and i I don't know i'm just wondering if you agree with that and do do you think we we should be or is maybe that's too Maybe it's too geeky. Maybe we shouldn't be paying attention to that. No, I mean, we absolutely should be paying attention to it. And there's like, there's huge problems with paying attention to it. That's the, that's the issue. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really confusing uh, on purpose. The companies that are, tr- that the government wants to regulate, they don't make it easy to understand how that regulation works. Yeah. Also, the government doesn't really understand how technology works. So they can't even explain properly what they want. Great. AOC is probably the most digitally literate person we have in the American government. And like, Mm -hmm. she's not even that digitally literate. Like we don't really have anyone at the same level of the companies that they're trying to regulate. And that's really unfortunate. And so, you know, just the average person wanting to read about this stuff. I, I suspect most of the times you're hearing about it. It's because like a community like Hacker News or Reddit has created some campaign around whatever is happening. And that's really all you're going to get. And the problem with that is that it's just a bunch of white dudes on the internet. So you're not even really getting the information to people who might care about it. Um, this is starting to change a little bit with the uh, the current legislation around like copyright involving Twitch. And mm-hmm. Twitch is like, a, like slightly more of a diverse community, but it's tough. Um, Casey is really good about breaking that stuff down simply, which is great. Um, I mean, I'll confess, like, I care about this stuff deeply, and I really struggle writing about it. <laughs> like, yeah. it's so it's really hard yeah. and boring. And, and like, America just, like, isn't good with regulation. Like, we just, yeah. um, I, I lived for a long time in the UK, and, you know, that's its own rat's nest but the way Mm -hmm. that europe deals with the internet and with things like gdpr and things like it's a lot more proactive and it's a lot simpler to understand than i think it works in america that was casey newton from the email newsletter platformer you can read it on substack or at platformer.news we're going to take a quick break now but we'll be back in a minute with ryan broderick If you listen to other podcasts, you probably heard them say something like this. Uh, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. They never explain how this helps, so I'm going to tell you. Human beings are simple creatures who like big numbers. When you go to check out a new podcast and you see it only has a couple ratings, you doubt it. 
I mean, how could it be any good if only two people have rated it, right? But here's the deal. Rating Follow Friday on Apple Podcasts will take you literally 15 seconds. I just timed this. And if you can spare an extra 10 seconds, you can write a nice review. So please open the Apple Podcasts app on your phone if you have it, search for Follow Friday, give us five stars, and let's get that number up. More people will take a chance on the show because we love big numbers. That's the Apple Podcasts app, or you can also go to apple.co slash follow Friday. If you or your company wants to advertise on Follow Friday, visit followfridaypodcast.com slash advertise. It's Follow Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday. Ryan Broderick, I asked you for someone we can follow who is super talented but still under the radar. And your recommendation here totally surprised me. Uh, you said the YouTube channel Ska-Tune Network. So uh, tell us about this network and uh, <laughs> I, I guess your personal feelings on ska music. Oh, man. This is the moment I've been waiting for. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Scott Network is a YouTube musician. I've interviewed them for Garbage Days, uh, paying subscribers. Uh, they were one of the first people that I interviewed, and it was simply because I love their channel. Uh, they're a multi-instrument uh, musician. They work with a band uh, called We Are The Union, who are also very good. Uh, but the main focus of Scott Network is they take non-ska songs and they do ska covers of them now if you like ska music like i do um this is very exciting if you don't like ska music like i do it's probably not as exciting (laughs) but the reason why i think this is cool in a larger context is that i grew up playing in punk bands and ska bands uh most of my life i've been listening to this music going to these kind of shows playing this kind of music and the internet has always sort of had this really weird complex relationship with it. Uh, a lot of the like the early blogs were kind of like punk DIY focused. There was that realm on the internet and it worked really well, recommending albums and like sharing like old Screamo records and stuff. That was cool. But the act of digitally making music was always considered like, oh no, we can't do that because like that's not authentic. Like it has to be huh. for white dudes in a basement making like the same four chord music. What I love about Scott2 Network is they're very, very smart about uh, collaboration. They're using YouTube to maximize like how punk and DIY and ska music can travel around the internet. They're not really hung up on how it's made. It's like a fun thing. It's interesting. It's exciting. And so even if you don't care about ska music, and I'm sure there are many people who do not, what I do think is really exciting about what Scotty Network is doing and, and sort of Gen Z musicians in general right now is they're just using the internet to replace the physical spaces that people used to make bands and they used to make songs and like that to me is wildly exciting yeah because like why not like like who cares if like the drum if you're using a drum machine but you're stacking a bunch of cool stuff on top of it and everyone's having a good time like who gives a shit? and i right. love that feeling um and so whenever i get the chance i want to uh talk about scott to network because i think they're like <laughs> super super cool that's like the the most punk thing of all is rebellion against the uh, the agreed upon like standards of 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 punk and sky and of the the restrictions on what's allowed. That's right. So uh, I, I that's totally wild. I had no idea that that was cons- that was sort of a, an act of rebellion. I guess. I mean, I'm not even sure. Uh, like younger people find that rebellious. I just remember yeah. like 
years and years of being like, oh, synths are cool, or like, we don't need to record live. I remember like being in a band and trying to cobble together enough microphones to poorly record a drum kit. And it's like, why? <laughs> like, why do this? Like, we can just make it on a laptop and stack a bunch of stuff and have a good time and like, just don't worry about it. And so to mm -hmm. see a YouTube musician just having fun in their bedroom with a trombone and like doing a cover of like Mr. Brightside by the Killers for Patreon <laughs> subscribers, like that's the best. And like, there doesn't need yeah. to be anything more complicated than that, like honestly. I was going to ask you, uh, so I, I was looking at the Scott Network, like their past videos, and uh, I saw that they did a half hour album of music from the video game Undertale, which is extremely my jam. Like that, that that's like an instant click for me. I don't yeah. know. Maybe they were just playing to the YouTube algorithm because Undertale music covers are very popular, but I was very happy with that. What's your favorite thing that Scott Network has done? What's your favorite thing on the channel? Uh, I mean, it's a bit of a deep cut, but they covered uh, Came Out Swingin' by the pop punk band The Wonder Years, and like, okay. I love that song, and I love that cover. But recently, they did a cover of Chumbawamba's Tube Thumpin' that is <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, like, it's so good. Um, I gotta look that up. My dream is to get big enough at podcasting to commission a bunch of podcast music from Scott Two Network. That's the dream. That's all I want professionally, is just to, to do that. Um yeah, and I, I just, it, it, I guess, like, to open it up for non-Scott people listening is, like, also what's great is that the pandemic, I feel like, has for, has finally forced this thing that needed to happen for a long time of just, like, music is going to be made however it can be made, and, like, right now it's going to be made in bedrooms and put on YouTube, and that needed to happen so many years ago. Just, like... yeah. Make live music when you can make live music. Don't make live music when you can't. And like, get the f over it. <laughs> like, it's all just, you know, it, it's fine. It's okay. And like, thankfully now, I think we're in this moment. You know, like, I'm a huge fan of like what Gen Z is doing with like emo and rap and like mm -hmm. smashing that up. And I don't love all of it, but I find it interesting that they're, you know, sampling American football and then putting trap beats underneath it. It's like, okay, sure. That doesn't Go make it, it doesn't make any sense. But yeah, <laughs> like what the hell? You wanna you wanna auto-tune rap over the promise ring? Go for it. Like whatever. Sure. Like it's it's cool. Um and I just love that vibe. I love that entire attitude. As I said, I've liked music all my life. I've played it all my life poorly, of course, but you know, I've tried. And I I was sort of terrified in my twenties of hitting my thirties and being like, well, I guess I'll just never understand what music is again. <laughs> and what I like about the current sort of wave of really strange Gen Z music, and like I guess their art in general, is just like it's really weird, but it doesn't take a lot to understand. It's not like mm -hmm. there's a lot of lore. It's just like yeah. this is a thing. I made it. I put it on the internet and people liked it. And so I made more of it. And like that I can understand because I've been doing that my entire life. So I totally get that. That was the YouTube channel Ska Tune Network. You can find them at youtube.com slash ska, S-K-A, tune, T-U-N-E, network. It's Final Friday. All right, well, we have time for one more follow today. I asked you to recommend someone you have just started following. You said Morgan Sung, who writes about culture and tech for Mashable. So why did you start following Morgan, and what has she posted that you like? 
So I realized at the beginning of this podcast, I was like, I don't read a lot about the internet. I just experience it naturally. And then I went on to list like three people who write about the internet. And so I'm very cognizant that I'm a bit of a hypocrite there. <laughs> um, Morgan Sung, uh, I don't, I don't know her personally. So I really hoping this isn't like insanely weird if, if she finds out about this, but I am just uh, very envious of her work. Um, like, so she, I don't know much better uh, other than what I've read on, on Mashable, but there, there is this wave of like younger internet culture reporters who aren't straight white guys who aren't writing about like Reddit Nazis and are expanding the beat out to be a lot more interesting than I mm-hmm. think it has been in a very long time. Uh, obviously, like the top of this game would be uh, Taylor Lorenz, mm-hmm. um, who I've known for a very long time, and she's like extremely good at this. Incredible. And uh, just to name drop some more, Rebecca Jennings from Vox mm-hmm. is really good. Um, like there are a lot of these people who are doing this. Morgan is a newer name that I've seen pop up, and like I read a couple of her pieces, and I was just like, holy sh. Like, this stuff is really good. Uh, Her Twitter account is really funny. She just feels like someone who really gets this kind of reporting really intuitively. Yeah, I can't say enough good stuff about it. Um, And I hope that isn't weird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was looking back, just to add on to the weirdness, I was like looking back through her history of what she's written for Mashable. And one of her stories has what I think was maybe the best headline of 2020. It is... um, Goblin Core's feral coziness will get you through the rest of the year. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. I, I thought you were gonna do do the bimbo piece, but yeah. So, so th- th- this is the kind of stuff that I think she's really, really good at, which is like taking these aesthetic trends mm-hmm. that I think are really hard for a lot of older writers to wrap their heads around. Like I struggle with them in Garbage Day because there's this feeling of like okay, like this is happening and I can see this is happening, but like, what is there really to say about it? And in fact, like on my podcast, The Content Minds, we did a Cottagecore episode Mm -hmm. and my co-host Luke and I were just at the end of it kind of like, what the f*** are we even talking about? Like, like, are we just talking about like a series of images? Like, what is this? And so... Morgan has a talent for doing that. Um, the the Cottagecore one is really good. The got like she did a really good bimbo piece about like bimbo discourse, which I don't know <laughs> if anyone's been following, um, which is hard to explain. But basically, people uh, were arguing that um, being a bimbo or wanting to be a bimbo was ableist. Uh, it's all very stupid. Um, this, this is this is too much for me. <laughs> I'm tapping out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like it's a lot, but. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna show my age here. Go for it. So there used to be a kind of writing on the internet that was probably best done by the website The All, which fun fact I was the first intern for. Um, but the reason I liked The All so much was because they did this thing that was common but not done perfectly well in the old internet, which was you take a very stupid thing and you dig through it all the way to the end, and in the course of doing that, you have come away with like a more profound idea of culture or society or politics and like the internet and the, the world of internet writing was really good for that. And it went out of fashion and it has slowly started to become more fashionable again. Uh, the reply, all guys are like masters of this as well. Yeah. Cracked.com used to have like a ton of really good writers who were able to do this. And I'm really happy that it's coming back. And I think Morgan is one of the writers right now who's able to do this really well. And they're able to synthesize like, a weird trend but dig into it all the way and come out the other side and like you you feel better because you've done that journey yeah uh, and that's the kind of writing that can only happen on the internet 
you can't really do that in a newspaper or magazine as well as you can on the internet. Um, so yeah, that's that's why I sort of I think her work is really exciting right now. Well, it's it's a great recommendation. Um, before we go, I do want to also want to mention another thing she wrote that I loved. Uh, it's called "Skating Kept Me from Being a Depressed Hermit in Quarantine." I was it's an amazing essay. I, I really liked that a lot. So yeah, like do you remember when like Thought Catalog was good? <laughs> like there was like a six month period where like the idea of internet writing and the idea of relatable essays and the idea of culture writing like all swirled together and was interesting mm-hmm. and exciting and was happening on all these blogs and then it went away and now it's coming back and I think Morgan is one of those voices that's able to, to do that really well and once again like if, definitely check out the stuff that Vox is doing um, NBC News has a really good team that does mm-hmm. this sort of thing too but like yeah it's good stuff and I'm excited it's back <laughs> That was Mashable writer Morgan Sung, who's on Twitter at Morgan underscore Sung. Ryan, thank you so much for these follows. Before we go, let's make sure the listeners know how to find you online. Where do you want them to follow you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, it's at Broderick, B-R-O-D-E-R-I-C-K. Um, and you can read my newsletter, Garbage Day, which has a brand new custom domain name as of literally recording this podcast. I just got the alert. It's garbageday.email. You can go to that and it'll pop right up. Um, comes out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And I try not to make it boring. So hopefully you'll like that. Um, and yeah, just uh, I have open DMs. Shoot me, shoot me a message. Say hello. <laughs> please be nice to me. Yes, please be nice. You can follow me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ. And please subscribe to my email newsletter, watchthis.substack.com. That's where I write short, spoiler-free reviews of movies and other things I'm watching. You can find a transcript of this episode, links, pictures, and more at followfridaypodcast.com. Our theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Doty Hermawan. Additional music by Starfrosh and Catherine Chang. Today's show was produced by Bumblecast. You can hire us to help you start a podcast or make your existing podcast better. We work with creators of all backgrounds and experience levels. Learn more at bumblecast.fm. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. See you next Friday.